so grateful. Thank you so much. You know, we're called Lampletter. We, on the day we got married, it happened to be Hanukkah. And so we brought this uh, menorah. We bought it from Jerusalem, had it shipped to us. And the center candle here was our unity candle. We we're going to have a unity candle service, right? Very special. The reason why we we're doing it on Hanukkah is because my wife received a, a, an envelope in the mail in a dream. Let me tell it. <laughs> he always misses the most important parts. <laughs> so I had this dream, and I had been single for a long time, long time. And I had this dream that I saw my wedding invitation, and it was just rolled out like a scroll, actually. And it had December 20th, but the date was blurred out. It had his name, but it was blurred out, and it had my name. So I knew when I woke up from the dream that I was going to get married on December 20th, but I didn't have any idea what year it was going to be or who the man was going to be. So now you can tell. She, she had no idea how tall, dark, and handsome I actually was. This was seven years before we met. And so she purchased a little ring to represent her covenant to the Lord as a bridegroom and her being set apart for the bridegroom that Jesus has. We're going to get married on December 20th. You know, when I proposed to her, it was so sudden I didn't have a ring to give her. I had a prayer shawl. I gave her a prayer shawl. Came to New Hampshire and bought a ring later. True story. But Jolene... So Jolene had a, a ring on. This is the ring that she bought seven years beforehand. And when we got engaged, she said, I have a gift for you now. And she put this ring on my finger, and it fit me perfectly. And then she told me about her, like, envelope scroll that came in the mail in a dream. And we looked, you know, this is like October, early October 20, 2003. And, you know, so when she said December 20th, we, of course, weren't going to get married in a month and a half. Don't do this at home. We looked for a Saturday in, you know, December 20th of 2004, 5, 6. There were no Saturdays. The only Saturday on the calendar was December 20th of 2003. I'm like, this is kind of wild. I, I love you. I've fallen in love with you, but I'd like to take a little time with this, you know? And then I discovered that December 20th of 2003 was the first day of Hanukkah. When a group of spiritual revolutionaries busted through the strongest lines of defense of an alien army trying to occupy Jerusalem, they took back the temple. 
And they saw that the lamp had gone out in the temple. The menorah had gone out into the temple. So they relit the lamp to reconsecrate the temple to the Lord after it had been defiled by Baal worship. And miraculously, that lamp burned for eight days straight with one drop of oil. They didn't have enough oil but to keep it burning for a day. That's why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. Most likely, Jesus was conceived over Hanukkah. That's another story. But it was interesting because during our wedding, (laughs) my best man was a guy named Will Ford, six foot 12, basketball player, African American guy, dear friend. And um, Will nudges me. And I'm like, Will, I'm worshiping. You you know how you are. And he nudges me again and he points over to this menorah, this Hanukkah. What's that? Yes, tears were streaming down Will's face. They pointed over at the menorah. I'm like, what's going on? And that center candle had lit in front of everybody on the first day of Hanukkah as we were singing, glory, glory, send your glory, God lit the menorah. Can't make this stuff up. And I'm telling you, the fire's been burning ever since. So I know you got something prophetic to share, and then we'll get into. So, Father, I just thank you for what you've shared already, Lord, that people are going to have their own glory stories, God, that you're going to come in and light candles, Lord. You're going to come in and relight covenant in people's lives, even in this room. You're going to come in and restore marriages. You're going to come in and restore families, Father. It's all about the covenant. And it's all about the supernatural light within us, Lord, that lights that covenant ablaze. And, Father, I thank you that you are going to do a great work. I thank you your glory is going to ride in here on a huge wave, God. And I thank you you are going to do a work here that many people will not believe. You did it for us, God. Some people look at us like, yeah, yeah, that didn't happen. We know it happens. And we know you are a miracle-working God. And, Father, show the same true for your friends here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are so excited to be with Miles and Lisa and you all. I don't want to... Pastor Miles, it sounds nice and everything, but this is an apostolic prophetic couple. So I had a really amazing picture uh, as we were preparing for the Fanwell Hall gathering. How many of you were at Fanwell Hall? Oh, awesome. All right. Good bunch of you. That was a revolutionary time, wasn't it? We'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, I, I had a picture, and I, I saw them over not just New England, but the 13 colonies, and then the nation. I, I just saw the Lord moving in a, a powerful revival anointing. This was on Thursday, and then uh, we had some 
time over dinner last night, and I had a, a vision of other ministries that were wanting them to hook their engine to the engine of other ministries, like train engines. And it was like locomotives connecting together, which would have been great. But I, I felt like the Lord had set them apart, and they have their own train. They kind of have their own glory train. Eh? And I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking glory train, because we've been on a glory train journey basically since 2016. Uh, Bob Jones prophesied it, and we're kind of been forerunning the restoration of the glory, just whatever aspect God's given us. So I saw his their engine, and I saw that... Uh, uh, if they hook their engine to other people's engines, you know, other ministries' engines, revival ministries' engines, it would be good. But if they continued down the tracks the Lord gave them, I saw this huge, huge train. It was gold, and it was coming right down from heaven. It was like God was putting the the carts all in place, the 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 box cars all in place, the 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 supply cars all in place, just behind that engine, and he's positioning that engine in just the right place for this movement to roll. And I'm telling you, there are supply cars on that train. There are plenty of passenger cars on that train. This train is bound for glory. I'm telling you. When Bob Jones prophesied about the glory train, he said, get ready for entire cities to be saved. He said, when the glory train comes into a place, from that time, that place will no longer be known by the enemy's name. It's going to be known by God's name. He said, get ready for entire cities to be saved. Get ready for the glory to come like fireworks lighting up the night. And he saw this sweeping move of Holy Spirit that was multitudes are going to get on that glory train. They're going to discover Jesus and they're going to run to the train. There's, there's a lot of people that just stand on the sidelines and cre- critique the train. It's time to get on board. There is a sweeping move of Holy Spirit. It is a, a, a move of awakening and revival, but I've got news for you, New England. It's also an exodus. I'm going to get into that in just a moment here. So while I was uh, praying this morning, I, God gave me very clear direction on things to share. Earlier this year, or earlier this uh, summer, I would say, uh, I had a vision of a, it was actually on, on, on Passover, on, on what we call Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. And uh, I saw a lid that was over a region. I was like, well, what do we do with that, Lord? And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, declare the lid comes off. On a personal level and on a corporate level and on a regional level, the lid comes off. Just declare that, that the covenant with death and hell has been annulled. Isaiah 28, and the lid comes off. It was interesting. We came home from our ministry trip and our friend Becca Greenwood 
was out in uh, a church in the area that we're dear friends with, having a ministry time with another guy, uh, a guy named Ken Fish, another ministry leader named Ken Fish. Thank you. And uh, so we just jumped in to support and celebrate, and um, they asked me to get up and share, and I prophesied the lid comes off of Washington, D.C. The lid comes off of Washington, D.C. And I had a private word for Becca. She was ministering that night. Our friend Becca Greenwood moves in the power of God, amazingly. But she wasn't feeling it that night. I could tell, and I, I, I told her that God's got a pathway to breakthrough. It was called a breakthrough conference, so it's good to have a pathway to breakthrough at a breakthrough conference, right? told her God has a pathway and she's going to just follow that pathway to breakthrough and I said in the end even the angel of the Lord Jesus Christ the angel of the Lord for breakthrough was going to come in an unmistakable way and she looked at me like she has this laugh she goes <laughs> I'm like, that was one of those laughs that let me know that you know I've got more faith for this than she does you know <clears throat> So she starts going, and she goes a completely different direction than what she had planned. Glory began to just fill this church called the Gate, D.C. The glory began to come in through the gate. And all of a sudden, I looked around, and people were on their face before God. They weren't, like, laughing uproariously. They were crying out in, in awe and in repentance they were weeping because the tenderness but the fierceness of the majesty of God being conveyed the glory came in and spontaneous songs began to resound throughout the the sanctuary as a glory began to fill the house like he's filling the house now it, it, she said this was the strongest weight of glory she ever experienced and then I looked, and in the back sanctuary area, back uh, stage area, I saw an angel of the Lord with a shofar, blowing a shofar. And it turns out that Becca saw an angel of the Lord blowing a shofar as well. <clears throat> At the same time. That's really cool. I mean, I had prophesied the angel of the Lord. She saw the angel. Ken Fish knew nothing about this prophetic word. He saw and heard an angel of the Lord blowing a trumpet over Washington, D.C. for five minutes straight. We saw the angel simultaneously at the same time. So Ken, he's, he's, he's a, a, a spiritual pioneer. He's also kind of an intellectual guy. He's like, well, you know, we should talk about why the angel of the Lord is here. Couldn't really figure it out. He just was there blowing a trumpet over the gate, D.C., over the gate, over D.C. Well, we did a prayer assignment on Monday, came back from that prayer assignment, and then text began to flood my phone of a leak that had occurred. The Supreme Court, the full text of Justice Alito's repudiation of Roe v. Wade, overthrowing nationally legalized abortion. 
shifting us from a covenant with death, empowering a culture of death, to a covenant of life, empowering a culture of life. And an angel of the Lord showed up at the gate and blew the trumpet to kind of bring the announcement that this covenant with death has been annulled. <clears throat> the lid comes off. And this is one prayer project that the entire body of Christ has joined in together on for more than, I guess, 49 years Going into 50 years, the year of Jubilee. I say entire body of Christ. I mean the entire body of Christ. The Messianic Jews were in on this. The, the evangelicals were in on this. The charismatics were in on this. The Catholics actually led the charge. The Bible talks about these covenants with death and hell. And I'm just giving you a real quick synopsis of Isaiah 28. He begins with a, a, a repudiation of the leaders of Jerusalem, the capital city. He said, you scoffers who rule Jerusalem, the capital city. You've made a covenant with death and with Sheol or hell. You've made a pact so that the overwhelming scourge would... would uh, uh, pass you by. You've covered yourself with deception. These covenants established with demonic powers through unjust bloodshed create an occult shield that cover over the leaders of the capital city as they do their corruption. And it seems like there's nothing that can happen to either bring exposure or correction until the root covenant of idolatry that they forged. Bow your knee to me and all this can be yours. They forged that covenant. When God says enough is enough, covenant with death and hell annulled, the lid comes off. And I've got a word for New England, for every state, for, let's see, we've got Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, we've got, what's that state below us? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I was born in Massachusetts. I am a son of the covenant. Rhode Island, or as you people call it, Rhode Island. I'm not going to make fun of New England accents because I'm a New Englander. I will tell you that my wife, when she... I love New England. I think most people in the room know that. Jolene, when we first started dating, you know, she knew my passion for New England. And so she actually, I asked her where she was from, and she said, I'm from Concord. Like, Concord where? <laughs> Concord, Massachusetts. I said, Really? If you were from Concord, Massachusetts, you'd be saying Concord, not Concord. So, nice try. She won my heart anyway. But the Lord is saying, covenant with death and hell over New England has been annulled. The lid comes off. 
where it feels like you've been pressing up against an invisible ceiling and you've been wanting to get there and you've been wanting to get there and you've been wanting to get there and, and, and it, it feels like what the presence and the power and the substance and provision from heaven is supposed to be coming, but there's like this lid that keeps you from receiving it. I prophesy over you right now, New England, the lid comes off. The lid comes off in Jesus' name. The lid comes off. And you're even going to see this in the news in the days to come. I don't know what's going to happen, but the lid comes off and heaven comes to earth. And there's going to be a redemptive exposure even of corruption that will bring a shift. Not just in government, but in finance as well. The lid comes off. Second thing I saw it was interesting. I was looking in the sky. I know that sounds weird, but I was looking in the spirit, I'll just say. And I saw these knives floating around. And it was like in the second heavens, there was a dimension of the second heavens, a realm, if you will, that people tried to ascend before the throne it was like the enemy was trying to curse and cut and I heard it was a realm of fragmentation Now, I don't really know what that means, but I do know that you are some of the strongest saints in the United States of America standing up to some of the strongest challenges. This is some of the most hotly contested land in America. This was really good uh, uh, ground for me to learn on. I was uh, down on Cape Cod for five or six years as a photojournalist. It was good practice for Washington, D.C., I'll tell you. But I saw these knives that were kind of there to bring fragmentation. And I asked the Lord to dismantle that occult structure. And what I saw was a giant magnet that brought all those knives right down. I believe the cross of Christ is that magnet. Brought them straight down and disempowered this realm of fragmentation that's been getting in the way of you truly ascending before the Lord. Instead of fragmentation, we are having union because when heaven and earth are joined together, there's a Holy Spirit union that comes. And we just declare, we send those knives. Thank you that they are disempowered, the principality behind them disempowered. And these knives go to the cross of Jesus Christ. And they are completely disempowered. All curses, all fragmentation. The third thing I heard, kind of a booming voice, and we're going to get into this more heard the Lord say for New England, I will save your children. 
And I'm going to tell you that has everything to do with God disempowering that realm of fragmentation that has them going in 20 different directions all at once, never seeing Jesus. They were raised to know the Lord. I know this to be true because I raised my son to know the Lord, and he went to Gordon College. Came in on fire, came out disenfranchised from his faith. They taught him that Jesus was not even God. They taught him that the Bible was a bunch of books that were compiled together. That's not okay for a Christian college, by the way. I don't, maybe it's acceptable in this. We, we, we got to get away from being woke. We are seeing a genuine move of awakening that's going to disempower this false justice movement of wokeness. There's some viable things. There's some good things. I'm, I'm not going to argue that, but by and large, it's empowering deception. And remember, that veil of deception that covers the masses so they can't see the corruption that's going on right before their eyes, that lid comes off. So in 2014, we went to Fenwa Hall for the first time. I was in a very spiritual state in May of 2014. I was in the shower. I pray in the shower. His voice is the sound of many waters, so it kind of works. And I heard the Lord say, rent Fanwell Hall on 722, because on 722, I am releasing a verdict from heaven's court that you do not even know you need. Daniel 7.22, judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the enemy and releasing the saints to possess the kingdom. And uh, it was an amazing time, and we knew that we stepped into an eternal realm where heaven met earth and the angels were there and even the cloud of witnesses were there and they judgment was rendered in favor of, of the saints who had passed on before us who had given their lives i mean i have known a few of those saints in my time i mean I'm, my my dear friend jeff marks jeff marks is still kicking around still standing love jeff marks friend catherine polio she's gone on to glory but we love love loved catherine um, but I'm also talking back through, you know, for the founding mothers and fathers of this land. And I, I knew that God had rendered judgment in favor of what they lived for and gave their lives for just as much, if not more, than us. Amen. And that he was going to bring a turnaround to the nation. Yeah. Got home. Followed through with Chuck Pierce's prayer initiative. He said to pray for 100 days beyond. It went right up to the elections. We saw the beginning of a turnaround. And I, I thought, well, I can't wait to just dedicate myself to this turnaround for Washington, D.C. and the nation. And the Lord said to me back, before you can legitimately stand for a turnaround for the United States of America, you must first stand for a turnaround for your own family. And I have to admit, I had more faith for turnaround for the nation than for my son and daughter. 
He said, how do you do it, Lord? How should we? He said, pray Daniel 7.22. Judgment in favor of the saints, restraining the beast that is deceiving. They grew up as saints. The enemy has seduced them. Pray for the beast to be restrained and the saints to possess the kingdom. Prayed one other passage too. It was a passage that was given to me when, when my daughter was born. Isaiah 49, 25. I will contend. It says, even the captives of the tyrants will be released. For I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your children. A covenant promise. I will contend with the one who contends with you. I don't care how big the principalities assigned to New England are. I don't care how deep the addiction is that has grasped your son or your daughter. I don't care what level of deception has flooded their hearts. I will save your children. I saw how my son Jonathan's amazing Return to the Lord was actually a first fruit for the children of New England to come back home. So let me tell you what happened. After we began to pray, we spent an entire year in prayer. We have what we call Turnaround Tuesday, where we engage in fasting and prayer every Tuesday for our sons and daughters, our spiritual sons and daughters, as well as our natural sons and daughters. Began to contend in prayer on Christmas 2014, kind of an arbitrary date, but that's about the time the Lord spoke, so we just decided we are going to start praying on Christmas 2014. It wasn't a Tuesday, but then every Tuesday after that, we contended in prayer as a nationwide community. So somewhere in early December, our son decided he wanted to come home, and uh we, we celebrated his birthday on this. It was a very special time, and then he stayed for Christmas. And on Christmas Day, 2015, one year to the date we began praying, Jonathan had an open vision somewhere around 4 in the morning. And he saw Jesus stretching out his hand and compelling him to come home. He knocked on our door at 7 a.m. I'm like, do you want to open presents this early? He's like, you know, 25 or something. And I'm like, yeah, we could do that. He said, no, no, Dad, we need to talk. I said, okay, son, what's up? I came home last night. I'm so glad that you're here with us, Jonathan. It's great to have you back. Great to have you around again. He said, no, you don't understand. I came home to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. Even the captives of the tyrants are going to be rescued, for I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your children. People are looking to signs, wonders, and miracles for the end times move of God, and I am right there with you. I want it all. 
But in the midst of the very great drama that is occurring on a global scene and right before us in Washington, D.C., in the midst of the quandaries about whether Russia, Iran, and China will form an axis that will create an Armageddon-like circumstance, in the midst of the global shakings and the ideas that are coming with the global shakings that are pressing the body of Christ to, to press into the Lord and find out where we are on God's timeline so we can actually become sons of Issachar's discerning the times. In the midst of all of this extraordinary drama, there's one defining expression of the end time move of God that we've barely perceived, and yet for God, it's the hallmark of it. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, And I will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. That's the Elijah anointing. It's the prepare the way of the Lord anointing. And it's going to have its greatest crescendo in the end times. And I'm going to tell you that New England's graveyards are going to come alive. Dry bones are going to live again. Sons and daughters are going to be coming back home. Not just one or two, but a massive, massive Jesus revolution. They're going to be flooding the houses of prayer. They're going to be flooding the apostolic centers. They're going to be flooding the streets. A revolutionary army is coming from the dry bones of New England. It's going to sweep across this nation. I'm telling you the word of the Lord. We, we hadn't really told too many people outside of, you know, the Lamplighter family. I'm friends with a lot of people in the body of Christ, but we just kept this private to ourselves. It was, you know, we weren't like thinking we are heroes or anything. What would any parent do for their sons and daughters? Amen. Praying him into the kingdom is so significant, right? So nobody knew about this, you know. I got this call about a little over a year ago from Lou Engel. Hey, John Hamill, how are you doing? <laughs> like, this isn't Lou Engel. It's Dutch Sheets giving an imitation of Lou Engel. I, if you were at Fanwell Hall, you'd get that joke. He's like, no, really, it's Lou Engel. He had heard from one of his staff members, dear friend of ours, uh, a New England girl named Cheryl Amobile. She had heard from Cheryl about uh, the miracle that took place in my son's lives. And the Lord had spoken to Lou and Therese, turn around Tuesday. And so when he was briefing his staff, Cheryl said, well, John and Jolene, you know, they, they engaged in a turnaround Tuesday. The Holy Spirit spoke and God brought their son back home. And he wanted to hear every detail. Then he shows up at the Global Prophetic Summit this past November. He had a message all prepared that he threw away and instead told my son's story about how he came home on Christmas. Unto us a Savior is born. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You know, Isaiah 9, 6. And how Jesus 
was born again in Jonathan's heart on Christmas, if you want to look at it that way. And then he compelled the entire globe to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers through engaging in Turnaround Tuesday prayer. I, I am compelling you. Why not take every Tuesday? Just take it for a year, maybe two years, and pray for your sons and daughters. Contend for them. You can join our broadcast, Jolene and myself, uh, and Chris Mitchell Jr. and Adam Schindler. We formed a team to carry this thing through. We have a Zoom broadcast every Tuesday at 1 p.m. But if you don't join that, that's fine. You know, you'll get some equipping and stuff and inspiration, and it's very revelatory. People all over telling us how important it is to their lives. But the, the most important thing is just pray. Just begin to contend. And I just speak to your human spirits. You who born these children in the natural are going to stand with the Lord to see these children born again. Genuinely, wholeheartedly returning to the Lord. Where the enemy is trying to fragment the family. God is saying, no, what Satan has divided asunder, I am joining together. Now, this, this is not a, an infantryman assignment. This is a special ops assignment. This is a get out devil or I'm coming in after you kind of assignment. We share this story in uh, the book, Turnaround Decrees. And we share vital keys that helped us. And I, I do believe they'll help you. But how many of you are willing to engage again in prayer? For your sons and daughters. You may not be old enough to have children. You may not have children. But guess what? You have friends that look to you as a spiritual mother or a spiritual father. Contend for them. Very interesting. We gathered at Fanwell Hall. We must have been at Fanwell Hall maybe five or six times, maybe even seven times before. I think this was our seventh time at Fanwell Hall, Boston. And for most of those times until 2019, I didn't even know that Fanwell had a Hebrew equivalent. Peter Fanwell was a Huguenot, move with Holy Spirit kind of guy, actually. Huguenots were religious refugees from France, like the pilgrims were re religious refugees from England. And when he gave the hall over to Boston, you know, I mean, it's the, the revolutionaries began to gather there and they cast vision for a break from the tyranny of uh, the monarchy of England at the time. And I don't even think they knew this, but there's a secret meaning to the name Fanwell. In Hebrew, it's P-H-A-N-U-E-L. Fanwell or Paniel is where Jacob wrestled with the angel until he became a covenant nation called Israel. 
Now, there's another meaning. It means face of God. Fanwell means face of God. But there's a place where literally in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2, you will find the name Fanwell. Luke 2.36, after Jesus was born, he's presented in the temple, and then Simeon comes and prophesies. And then in verse 36, there is a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, advanced in years, lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84, never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up, began giving thanks to God, continued to speak to all those who were looking for the redemption of Israel. She prayed, Anna, the daughter of Fanwell, Fanwell dad, Anna, daughter, prayed as a forerunning intercessor for the birth of Messiah. Someone mentioned a birthing anointing in here tonight, I think. We get to be forerunning intercessors for the birthing of a new move of God. There, there is a pregnancy that is coming to the womb of New England. You're going to have uh, 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 the honor of serving as a midwife for your sons and daughters to be born again. You're going to have the honor of praying through and entering into travail for the birthing of an entire generation who doesn't even know that Jesus actually exists, let alone cares about him. Can't make this stuff up. Isn't it interesting that the American Revolution of Freedom Movement was forged at Fanwell Hall? Look at Jesus being birthed into the earth as the greatest expression of a move of God ever. And then understand that every move of God is birthed into the earth. You and I get to be mothers and fathers of a movement of Holy Spirit. It was interesting. We wrote this book, Turnaround Decrees, because on July 4th, 2021, we all know that our freedoms are in jeopardy. On July 4th, 2021, in Washington, D.C., I woke up to a vision, and I saw a scroll that looked exactly like the Declaration of Independence, you know, parched, old scroll. But there were no words on it. And I began to ask the Lord, what is it you're showing me? And he spoke to me that a time is coming when heaven's scrolls are going to be released. These scrolls of destiny are going to be released for individuals and even for nations. He showed me to write a book to demarcate the new season where this move of God is at hand. 
where the scrolls will suddenly have access. The slain lamb, the lion of Judah, has overcome to, to open the seals and unfurl the scrolls of God's redemptive destiny for human beings as individuals, for churches, but for humanity. And I, I knew some of these scrolls are going to have the weight of the Declaration of Independence. They're going to frame our future in the same way, even preserving our, 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 our freedom. I, I thought it was kind of amazing that on 624, well, 621, this book was officially released, Turnaround Decrees. Three days later, on 624, June 24th, Justice Alito releases the ultimate turnaround decree for our hour. Immediately that was confirmed. And I thought, you know, these, I mentioned this at Fanwell Hall, that in the Old Testament, the judges were prophets. In our era, I didn't think the judges were so prophetic, you know. They can write really good decrees. But maybe they're off a little bit on the timing because I thought that this Supreme Court verdict would best be released on, like, at least Turnaround Tuesday, one of the Tuesdays, you know. Maybe 722, you know, judgment in favor of the saints. Instead, they decided to release it in a really obscure time, 624. And I was complaining to God, why didn't you show them to release it on 722, you know? And I, I kind of felt like the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, cleared his throat. And he directed me to a passage. Numbers 624. You might recognize it. It's Aaron's priestly, high priest prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Then you shall bless, invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. We, we were living under a curse. And the Supreme Court jurists had, for some reason, crazy revelation to release it on 624 almost as a declaration that you are shifting from a covenant with death empowering a culture of death to a covenant of life empowering a culture of life and blessing the lord bless you the lord keep you the lord make his face shine upon you the lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his shalom there were some song that came out during the early days of the, the virus thing. Carrie Joe wrote it. And the blessing song, I don't know. If you, we sang that as an anthem all the way through the most horrendous time in modern American history. Children and your children's children. What am I talking about? The Lord is shifting us from a lid of cursing to an open heaven of blessing. He is restoring his countenance to you. He's making his face shine upon you again. 
you have aligned with his heart on a national level. I know this is going to be a state-by-state thing, but I'm telling you that this so needed to restore the commanded blessing on us as a nation and even preserve our freedom. So when that vision came of the Declaration of Independence, I also knew that if we didn't receive heaven's scrolls, there were forces of darkness that would try to literally eradicate the Declaration of Independence and all it represents, the freedom and sovereignty of the nation that it represents. There was a global governmental system, I'll just call Babylon, that was going to try and take over our decrees, eradicate them from our history so as to shape our destiny in an ungodly way. And either we take our place before the throne and receive the scrolls, or we abdicate our authority as the body of Christ. So I was in faith to fill The substance of that scroll. We wrote the book, Turnaround Decrees, expecting, I, I think it's chapter 10, maybe 11, uh, has a, a, an entire uh, chapter on divorcing Babylon. I was really in faith for God to grant us a divorce decree from Babylon, and I wanted to know it. I wanted to be the one writing it. I'm like, here I am, God, send me. Let me write this. <laughs> and can I tell you that Deadline after deadline after deadline passed, and I, I just didn't have it. <clears throat> I thought we were going to release it at Fanwell Hall, but I, I kind of lost faith for that. And then, after the Supreme Court verdict, the Lord spoke to me. It is now time to divorce Babylon. Use the Declaration of Independence as a template. I sat down to write it, and before I could start writing the petition, the word of the Lord came. By verdict from heaven's court, covenants established thrones of governance. Whereas the covenant with death and hell through nationally legalized abortion has been annulled, redemptive exposure of corruption decreed, and a shift from this covenant with death to Christ's covenant of life has been governmentally secured. On this seventh month, 22nd day of 2022, the Ancient of Days hereby grants a new birth of freedom to the United States of America. A new birth of freedom. I believe that is the movement that has been birthed. It's been in the birth canal and it's now been birthed. It is a freedom movement. It's a let my people go movement. It's a let my children go movement. It's a let Washington, D.C. go movement. I got news for you. It's a let Concord go movement. In Boston, in Kingston, I'm not going to go through this. It would take too long, but uh, it's, it's on our website. Uh, we've gotten a very favorable response. Prayer movements all throughout the nation and even in Israel have just sent this all over the world. We're very excited about it. But there is uh, one little 
portion of this that I want to go into, this is something that the Lord highlighted to me. When we were at Fenwell Hall, we presented the request in the afternoon, received what we felt to be the verdict, and then Dutch Sheets came in and thundered the verdict, declared that this great turnaround, he called it the great turnaround, like a great awakening, this great turnaround has now begun, and America shall be saved. I mean, that was the word of the Lord. But when we asked for this divorce from Babylon from the Lord, I asked a full reinstatement of all rights, privileges, and sacred duties inherent to the covenant renewal as outlined in Isaiah 54. I want to get to praying, but I want you to yoke in with me for this. Because to me, this is as sacred and it is as vitally important as what we released at Fenwell Hall. Isaiah 54. I'm not going to go there yet. We'll go there and then we'll pray. And I'm sure there'll be prophetic words for people. We'll see the Lord moving power by his spirit, but he's moving by his spirit right now. I am governmentally releasing this as a decree from the Lord directly to the bride of Christ in New England. Okay. <clears throat> On January 5th, 2021, one year before the infamous day known as the Capitol Storm, I was asked, invited to bring a small prayer team into the White House to pray. Cindy Jacobs joined us. Kathy Pelton joined us. A number of others joined us. I had one plea before the Lord. You could feel the tension and something was seriously off. Something was wrong. We had just come on November 11th of 2020. I had written a document called the Mayflower Covenant Renewal, asking God to renew covenant with the nation according to the Mayflower Compact. And we brought that into the White House and we prayed through because I knew that in the midst of all the challenges, the one thing that will remain, the one thing that will endure is covenant with God. Yeah. It's not a partisan covenant. It is a covenant between God and his people on behalf of this entire nation where the land and government was given for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. And so Jolene and myself, Cindy Jacobs, Kathy Pelton, Chris Mitchell Jr., we prayed through the halls of the White House and declared the covenant between God and his people, the United States of America, stands. Then came the storm. We knew enough to stay away. We watched it all on television. We told all our friends to stay away. Two-thirds of them did not. And then when President Biden was inaugurated, we watched as the motorcade went uh, across the Potomac River from our watchman's perch overlooking D.C. We watched as he signed 
all these executive orders overthrowing extraordinary advances that dear friends of ours, even part of our home group, had, had brought forward to advance the kingdom of God within our government and in our, our nation. I mean, he re-empowered abortion on a national level and on a global level where we wouldn't resource nations unless they agreed to abort their children. Doesn't matter whether you're in famine or not. If you don't abort your children, we're not going to give you money. It, it was heartbreaking. I, I, I was without words. My spirit, our spirits were so, so grieved. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know if God was actually going to send revival because we just had re-empowered unjust bloodshed. I didn't know about this verdict from the Supreme Court in the midst of all this. I, I had given up, given up on D.C., fed up with Washington, D.C., both Republicans and Democrats, just complete dysfunction that is bringing our nation into peril after peril after peril. And uh, we, we went down to Georgia to just take a little break. And I, I remember driving down I-95 and going, God, do you want us to be in D.C.? Would you even, how could we even believe you for revival, giving the decisions that have been made? Get to Georgia, and I had a dream. And it was an accurate dream. One of the most accurate dreams I've ever had. In the dream, I was sleeping through my prayer time. I woke up, and there was crumbs all over my bed where I had eaten snacks well into the night. That was accurate. I was feasting and grieving instead of fasting and praying. I don't know if you've ever tried to eat your way through profound grief or not, but it, it doesn't work, but it works a little better if you sweeten it with barbecue and peach cobbler. I'm just saying. And then I, in the dream, I get a text inviting me to preach at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And scriptures began to flash. Psalm 40, Psalm 110, Isaiah 40, and a few other scriptures. Very well-known passages, very familiar to me. So I grabbed my Bible, and I began to look up the passages, and I can't find the passages because my Bible is so full of newspaper clippings. And it was God's way of saying, I know every time you come before my face and then you get lost on the internet reading the news. And you choose the news of the world over my word. And I, I, I just repented before him. And that began a series of, I guess it was like three week long uh, early morning prayer meetings where I was up by the Spirit of the Lord at 4 or 4.30 in the morning, every morning, out, got out to the couch, turned the light on, and began to read the Word. 
And in the midst of that, the Lord came to me. And he said, to understand the year 2020, you must look through the lens of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is where Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment of our peace was laid on him. By his stripes we are healed. When it was manifested before his disciples' eyes, when Jesus was on the cross, they all thought global government had won. They thought global government had conquered Messiah because Rome was the Babylon of their hour. And yet at the very time when it looked like he was defeated completely, he was actually paying the price for your sin and mine, redeeming us in the ultimate exodus on his cross, establishing covenant with the Father on our behalf. I knew instantly that covenant that was made on 11-11 of 1620 and then re-ratified on 11-11 of 2020 meant something to the Lord. The whole time through the challenges that we went through and the confusion that we went to where it seemed like his hand was pretty far away from us. It had been withdrawn from us. Seemed like our prayers were just birthing wind. Seemed like he had withdrawn his countenance from us. He was establishing his salvation for the future throughout that year. To understand 2020, you're going to have to look through the lens of Isaiah 53. And for this new season, I am bringing forth an Isaiah 54 turnaround. And I had honestly not gone too much farther than Isaiah 53. Isaiah 54 is fascinating. Because in Isaiah 54, the hand of the Lord returns to the bride. The countenance of the Lord returns to the bride. Sing, O barren woman. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have not born a child. New England, a barren bride, if I've ever seen one. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For more are the sons of the desolate woman than the sons of the married wife. God's going to break barrenness off of us as we worship. There's a new worship movement that's going to restore hope. We're going to conceive in the midst of that worship movement. And then the baby's not going to be aborted. These babies are going to be born. They're going to be born again. Watch this now, kingdom awakening people. Enlarge the place of your tents. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cord and strengthen your stakes. Are you going to spread abroad to the right and to the left? Your descendants will possess nations and resettle the desolate cities. 
Come on, there is a covenant to be secured and established in this time. There is a, an awakening, just like our forefathers experienced the first great awakening. The first people to come to Christ in the awakening were the children. Jonathan Edwards Church, the little kids were leading their parents to the Lord. As you engage in this turnaround Tuesday thing, you are stepping into a time where God breaks barrenness. And when he does it, he's not just going to do it in your womb. He's going to do it across the spectrum of your life, your sphere. And you're going to have an anointing to reproduce. He's doing it now. And says, hey, listen. You're going to spread abroad. Don't fear you're not going to be put to shame this time. Don't be feeling humiliated. You're not going to be disgraced. You will forget the shame of your youth, New England, where you were betrothed to me and then gave yourselves to idols. And the reproach of your widowhood where it seemed the bridegroom lifted from the land, it's not going to be remembered anymore. You're not going to remember it anymore. The trauma of that's going to be cleansed from your heart. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, and he's called the God of the whole earth. Your husband is your maker. You are in covenant with God, even as a region, even as a nation. The covenant of God in your life is secure. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting loving kindness I will have compassion on you says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is as the waters of Noah. He just says, I'm not going to be angry with you again or rebuke you. The mountains may be moved, the hills may shake, but my loving kindness is not going to be removed from you. My covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Do you know you have a covenant of peace with the Lord of Shalom? Do you recognize, do you recognize in this language, do you hear the words of the ironic blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. It's, it's all in there. I didn't know that. You guys are Bible scholars. You probably already know that already. I didn't know that. So I'm a little slow. Thank you for helping me catch up. And he says, oh, afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted. That is for sure. It's, I'm going to lay your foundations, set your stones in antimony, lay your foundations with precious jewels. And he says, I'm going to repair your gates. I'm going to protect you while I'm establishing my covenant with you in this new season. I am going to provide for you so that your gates are established.
And all your sons shall be taught of the Lord. And great will be the shalom, the peace of your children. I'm telling you, this is the season God is bringing New England into as a forerunning expression of what he's going to be doing in the nation. As we have divorced Babylon, we have the opportunity for a new birth of freedom, and this is what the new birth of freedom looks like. Then he says, no weapon forged against you are going to prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you, you're going to condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness and vindication is of me. The Isaiah 54 turnaround. Say it with me. The Isaiah 54 turnaround. Say this with me. I receive your Isaiah 54 turnaround for my life. From barrenness to fruitfulness. From grief to renewed hope. Renewed life. Where it feels like. Your countenance has been withdrawn from me. You are making your face shine on me. Shine on my family. Shine on New England. Shine on Washington, D.C. Shine on this nation once again. Where I have felt unprotected, you are rebuilding my Walls of protection. Where I have felt scared about provision. You are commanding your full provision in my life. For my family's life. My son's life. My daughter's life. Where I felt like a bride forsaken or a groom left at the altar. You are saying, I am your companion. Covenant with me is fully legitimate. And all of the blessings of that covenant are mine. Now, I just want this to settle over you, settle within your heart. We're in a new season. This apostolic center and the movement of this apostolic center into the new house, actually a house that used to be a host Catholic charismatic meetings, that's just really interesting, into a new house. It's a sign from the Lord to this whole region.
I saw it this way. Anybody see Top Gun, Maverick? <laughs> so we are worshiping. It was like Miles and Lisa were kind of like, you know, Tom Cruise. <laughs> the rest of y'all follow me. Up the side of that mountain. Sheer terror on his face. The pressure of the gravitational pull creating bubbles in his mouth and in his face. That's what it feels like as you're here in an ex sudden acceleration. You hit almost the very ground and then you're shooting up into this new dimension of God's calling. I believe you're even going to be an aircraft carrier for some of those mavericks in the future. Are you ready for this? Yes. Are you ready for what the Lord is doing? Because we've got to get out of this barrenness thinking. My God, it is so depressing to be around most Christians these days. They're looking at everything as signs of the soon coming end of the world. I got news for you. Amidst the challenges of the darkness, God's raising up burning and shining lamps. He always does. We're going to stand for the covenant of God. And there's going to be lights that are going to supernaturally shine in the night. I'll end with this and then pray. Okay. So when we were praying about Fanwell Hall, the Lord told us to go to Alaska and, and focus on Alaska in 2021, which we did over Passover and then over 722. And he said to me, if you will go to Alaska on 722 of 2021, I will unlock the doors of Fanwell Hall to you on 722 of 2022. So reluctantly, I went to Alaska again. I love our Alaskan family, but I, I went there knowing that I really wanted to be in Fanwell Hall on 722. And then when we approached Fanwell Hall, my friend who worked there wasn't there anymore, and I, I couldn't get a call back. So there's a baptism revival in Brunswick, Georgia that my friends are hosting. That's why we go there a lot. And... Becca Greenwood wanted to get in the baptism waters and her team. And so we were the last ones, Jolene and I, last ones in these baptism waters. And I'm telling you, as Elevation Worship sings, the water is wild. People get healed of stage four cancer in the waters of baptism in Brunswick, Georgia. Families come back together. PTSD lifted off in a moment, dear friend of mine. Well, we got in the waters, and one of uh, Becca's team leaders is a very large guy, African-American guy from Colorado Springs, Anthony Turner. Anthony Turner comes up and prophesies with this fiery, wild-eyed look in his eyes. He says, you're Paul Revere. I rolled my eyes because... <laughs> 
Ever since 1996, I've had that word that I'm a spiritual Paul Revere. I'm going to be holding out the burning lamp, going from city to city, and instead of saying the British are coming, the British are coming, I'll be saying the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. Two years after that word was initially given in Kansas City, Cindy Jacobs called me to her office. I was working for her at the time. She got her prophet finger out, and she pointed at me, and I ducked. And after I recovered, she said, you're a spiritual Paul Revere. You're going to hold out the burning lamp, and you're going to go from city to city, and instead of saying the British are coming, the British are coming, you're going to say the Lord is coming. She added one word that the other guy didn't. She said, everywhere you go, revival is going to break forth. So... I told Anthony, I've written three books that mention this, you know, word and the prayer movement. So many people joke with me about being Paul Revere. Half of them are like, did you fall off your horse or something? Where are you? What's happening with you, Hamill? You know what I mean? I'm like, I, I know you know that. He looked at me back and he said, no, I did not know that at all. But you are a Paul Revere. I've never heard this before. You are a Paul Revere and you're called to save the day. Revere rode and a revolution began that established a nation in liberty and freedom, set a new precedent for the nations. He rode till the breaking of a new day. He rode and declared from city to city, the Lord is coming. Well, he didn't do that, but we'll just say the Lord is coming. And it awakened an army. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, the lamps are being distributed to the Reveres at this time. There is an awakening at hand of New England's sons and daughters. The army of God is going to rise up in New England and across this nation. And we are going to protect, defend, and preserve our freedom. And in the midst of that, we're going to see multitudes coming to Jesus. Babylon is not going to have the United States of America. We have received a verdict from heaven's court granting us a divorce from Babylon. A declaration of independence from Babylon. Babylon is not going to steal our children. God is going to punish Baal and Babylon according to Jeremiah 51, 44 and cause those things that he swallowed to be coughed back up. There's going to be a great restoration of what the enemy has stolen. Of inheritances. Stolen inheritances. Stolen heritages. Stolen freedoms. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm telling you, there's a deliverance moving movement coming to New England. A deliverance movement. It's going to happen in the midst of worship right here. Songs of deliverance that have never been heard before in the earth. God is going to download these songs of deliverance. It's real time before the throne. It's what they're singing before the throne, and all of a sudden the worship team's going to just pick up on it and declare the word of the Lord, and it's going to be an exodus set in motion. Spontaneous healings. 
coming. Resurrection's coming. Deception's lifted off of hearts. It's coming. Holy conviction is coming. New birth of freedom. Your prayers have felt barren. You, you, you pray, but you can't give birth to the miracle. I got news for you. It's miracle time. You're going to be birthing miracles many times. Just times when you get the words out of your mouth, all of a sudden they're here. I declare covenantally and governmentally, barrenness is broken off of the bride of Christ in New England in Jesus' name. I declare where it has felt like the Spirit of God has been, His countenance has been shining elsewhere. The Lord makes His face shine upon you. The Lord restores that place of deep, deep intimacy where His Spirit is brooding over the waters of your tears, of your spirit. And then He says, let there be light. And there's light and He separates light from darkness. You're going to give birth again to freedom, to kingdom, to destiny. Your sons and daughters, they are not going to be held captive to Babylon for long. Whatever expressions of Babylon, whether it's addictions to drugs or addictions to the metaverse... Another unrealities that try to steal our kids away, bring them into passivity. Let my children go. Say it with me. Let my children go. And I'm going to tell you there's a move of God coming to the Ivy League colleges. You can't stand in open defiance of God and call it truth long, especially when your own covenantal foundations are the very word of God. Let my children go. Come on. Let my children go. There's a restoration of the prophetic. The time of prophetic disinformation is over. The plumb line is being dropped. You're going to be prophesying life and strength and vitality, and occasionally you're going to be prophesying the downfall of the Shebnas and the restoration of the Eliakims into rightful seats of power. Isaiah 22. It's not going to be barren. It's going to be full of life. God's going to see that word through until it comes to pass. Arise and shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Lost heritages are being restored. God is redeeming the time. 
Opportunities you thought you missed, God's bringing back around and he's going to propel you through this time. The Moses is coming forward. You see that I can't stop this until sharing one more thing, which is an impartation on your behalf. Is that okay? Are we good time-wise? You know, being Paul Revere, I don't really get going till midnight. So I hope we're good. I've seen the Lord seated on his throne twice. And I don't share this unless the Lord directly declare, tells me to share this. I, I actually share it in our book. But when it comes to governmentally releasing it in a service, I know that what is transpiring and what I'm sharing is being released to you. And then it's yours to take. Is that okay? I can't give you a more precious gift than Jesus himself. So a couple years ago, I had this wild prophetic experience where I found myself shooting up through the sea of glass. How many of you know the throne of God is surrounded by a sea of glass mingled with fire? I was shooting up through the sea of glass. And I poked my head up and I saw Jesus in his glory. And kind of like Cindy Jacobs' prophet finger, but far more weighty, I literally ducked right back in the water. And I, in this experience, I came up again, and this time Jesus himself, Yeshua, was seated at the table. He had a table, the table of the Lord. You know, the highest court in the kingdom of God is the table of the Lord. It's the table of communion. It's where his body and blood was presented before the Father for a verdict, the ultimate turnaround verdict, redeeming you and me. Jesus was seated at the table of the Lord, the table. And... Surrounding him on all sides was this huge pile of trash. Crumpled up pieces of paper. I have a crumpled up piece of paper somewhere that I can use as an illustration. But for some reason, I'm not able to find it. There it is. Crumpled up pieces of paper. I mean, piled higher than him, if that were even possible. That's what I saw. And one by one, he began to take these crumpled up pieces of paper and he placed them in the sea of glass. And when he put them in the sea of glass, they began to reconstitute. And these crumpled up pieces of paper represented invitations commissionings, inheritances, and title deeds that people in the body of Christ had rejected, invitations that had been rejected, commissionings that had been rejected, 
sometimes I saw this in the vision. I saw it was the person who rejected the commissioning into the ministry or into the marketplace, whatever. But sometimes it was their bosses, people in spiritual authority over them that had taken that piece of paper that was sent as an invitation, crumpled it up, thrown it in the wastebasket so that their protege couldn't find it. And God, the Ancient of Days, the Most High God, became the great trash collector of the universe. Going behind the people that had rejected him and rejected his invitations. Crumpled up pieces of paper. He brought back before his throne to the table of the Lord. He began to place them one by one. These rejected invitations commissionings, inheritances, and title deeds. One by one, placed them into the sea of glass, and they became fully reconstituted and re-released to the body of Christ. Many times to the same people who had initially rejected them. There's a release of scrolls. Some of them Invitations that you and I have rejected. I'm just going to pray right now that God will flood this house with the sea of glass. That he will, you know, the Bible says we are living scrolls, doesn't it? And we ourselves are living scrolls. He's baptizing our scrolls in the waters. Purity and bringing reconstitution. These scrolls. The first scroll I saw reconstituted was actually the Mayflower Compact. And then a year later, out of the middle of nowhere, this lady named Michelle Bachman asked me to write a revised version of the Mayflower Compact the night before 11 11. Can't make this stuff up. Father God, we ask your forgiveness. Oh, there you are. We ask your forgiveness where you have given us invitations and we have said, no, I'm not qualified for them or I can't fulfill that. God never gives you anything that you yourself can fulfill. I, I figured you'd figure that out by now. New England, you're very smart people. <clears throat> we ask your forgiveness, Lord, where we disqualified ourselves from the blessings that you wanted to entrust into our lives many times because they look too hard to attain, too costly. Please forgive us. We found out the hard way the consequences of rejecting the invitation were far more difficult than what we imagined would happen if we received the invitation. Just between you and God, Please stand to your feet. Some of you have suffered loss because family members have stolen your inheritance. We had a friend who thought that it happened, but when I, we gave this word, 
our friend approached heaven's court and asked God for a restoration of what was stolen. She got a call within a week and a half from a, an oil company in Texas where she was originally from saying, hey, we found, uh, we, would like, we found oil on your property and we would like to drill. Would that be okay? She said, I have no property in Texas. My father squandered it away. Turned out her grandfather gave her a portion that he didn't tell any of the family members so they could squander it. And it's now producing every month. It came right after in conjunction with the release of this word. What's going to happen to you over these next couple of weeks, couple of months? There's, there's forces of darkness trying to steal your inheritance. Now the Lord is restoring your inheritance. Now. Say now with me. Now just reach up your hand as if you are reaching up to the very throne of God. Say, Father, you have granted me forgiveness. The body and blood of Jesus has grant given me a new beginning. And you have also redeemed my opportunities. I ask now for the scrolls of inheritance I ask for the commissionings. I ask for the invitations again. I ask for the inheritances. Oh, yeah. And the title deeds that should have been mine that I let go. Say this with me. I receive, I receive your, scroll your scroll now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. There you go. Thank you that even the commissioning of George Whitfield is being reconstituted. When we wrote this Mayflower Covenant renewal, Chris Mitchell had a vision where he literally was wrapped in it. He's African-American, and he said for the first time, I, when he was wrapped in this Mayflower Covenant renewal as a mantle, he said for the first time, he said, all my life I have felt outside of God's covenant with the nation and outside of the heritage of the, the nation. And he said for the first time when the weight came on me, 
for every tongue, tribe, and nation. For the first time, I felt included, grafted in. You may be in the natural and illegal alien. I got news for you. God brought you here. It's not an accident. He has an inheritance for you in this land. Just receive it. And for those who have felt disenfranchised from the heritage of our nation, please forgive us. That was never God's dream. <laughs> it's every tongue, tribe, and nation joined with him. And in him joined with each other. That is his covenant. He made us out of every tongue, tribe, and nation to be kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. This is your inheritance. It's your destiny. There are scrolls of your forefathers, some of them that went unanswered, and you're answering what another generation ignored. Some of you are sons and daughters of that barren woman who became so fruitful and travailed and brought sons and daughters of destiny in. After the order of Whitfield. Some of you were the scrolls of inheritance, like my friend Chris had this. It's just wrapping around you as a mantle, and he's, God's imparting this mantle to you at this time. Okay, you're settled. Take me now. How many of you have seen your scroll tonight? Just raise your hands if you've seen your scroll. Anybody? A couple of people have. Okay. Three or four. Lord, open our eyes in the spirit that we can see the substance of our scrolls. Whoa. I see keys falling as well. I see keys. Lord, governmentally, we now come into agreement for the release of Isaiah 22, keys of authority and also keys of access in the name of Jesus. There have been promotions that have been withheld from you by people who are supposed to commission you into those promotions. Raise your hands if that's you. They knew what they were doing. It was playing politics. We break the power of the trauma that came upon you, the attempt to marginalize you, to take you out and take you down. We say right now in the name of Jesus, you are a living scroll being reconstituted, refreshed before the throne of God, and your best days are yet ahead. And like Joseph, you will possess your seat from the Lord. And it will result in kingdom <laughs> blessing exponentially in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Some of you are concerned about loved ones who need a healing. Lord, we just release the scroll of Isaiah 53 to them and ask that you wrap them around as a mantle. Wrap that scroll of Isaiah 53 around them as a mantle. Lord, I thank you for the reconstitution that comes from the table of the Lord alone. And we declare strength, resurrection, power into each body that needs a touch from you for healing right now. Move by your spirit. Bring healing into the depths of our beings, God. Healings, dislodging grief and trauma. Awakening a new sound of worship where we've been afraid to sing the Lord says sing O barren one sing in the midst of what you're going through you begin to sing and the Lord breaks barrenness right off of you Some of you have felt powerless, and the Lord is giving as scrolls, these scrolls, the sword of the Lord is the word of God, right? His swords are coming as weapons of war, and, and it's almost like you've felt very vulnerable. Maybe you've experienced some abuse or some, some challenges in that regard. The Lord is not just bringing healing, but he's also bringing a renewed protection. Lord, we just declare that you're the walls of your people are restored. And for some people, even the virginity restored. And that pain of betrayal lifted off, lifted off right now in Jesus' name so we can possess in wholeness the inheritance. Say this with me. I covenant with you to partner with you, Lord Jesus Christ, to possess the full inheritance that you have ordained for me. Some of you are called to write these scrolls, to sing these scrolls as they come. Some of these keys that you've received are keys of access to scrolls from heaven's throne, and God's unfurled them, and he's waiting for you to unfurl them in the earth. And he's going to give you real-time revelation, real-time prophetic revelation. <laughs> and you're going to write books that are literally the intersection of real-time and end-time. <clears throat> That's going to guide the body of Christ into these seasons. Yep. Okay, a holy army is arising. A revere army is arising. Come on. You're going to be holding out the burning lamp. And you're being released now to possess your inheritance. All our children are taught of the Lord. Great will be their peace. That's the greatest inheritance we're going after now, New England. Come on. Baby, do you have anything to add? Okay. Well, we've had a great month with you tonight. 
in the house of the Lord? It was interesting. We shared this message in Oregon. I just share it whenever the Lord tells me to share it. And it was at a church. The pastor was actually, he had cancer, and they were looking for a new building. It was a difficult situation. Well, he's cancer-free now. And a few weeks ago, they just moved into their new building. Miraculous provision brought the right building at the right time, and the provision came. I'm telling you, this is the release of heaven's scrolls changes everything. We just received the fullness of the provision for this new building, for this great move that they're going into. Lord, it is an exodus. It's a transition. It's a, a, a house of glory is on the other side here. And we declare again, the lid has come off, and they move from glory to glory in Jesus' name. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Jolene and I love you so much. Can we just uh, conclude this portion with one four-letter declaration, four-word declaration? No king but Jesus. I didn't hear you. Wait a second. No king but Jesus. Ready? No king but Jesus. All right, all right. Come on, let's just stand. Arms up to heaven. You're under arrest again. Lord, we just receive into our spirit and into our soul everything that was spoken, Lord. That propel us into destiny. Every scroll, Lord, we step into. Every mantle, we, we, we embrace it. We wrap ourselves with it. And Father, we thank you that as we leave this place, we walk into complete freedom. Freedom.